0: Those that are with us online as well, as uh, we get to continue in the series that we've been in. This is a four part series. This is week three of a series we've just entitled It Ain't Easy, okay? It Ain't Easy. We're talking about marriage and relationships. And no matter how much you love your spouse, I think everybody can understand marriage ain't always easy, all right? sometimes things don't work out the way you want. Sometimes things are a little more difficult. And I think one of the reasons why is because when we're married, we see the good, the bad, and the ugly in one another, right? (laughs) There's no hiding, right? We see it all. When you were dating, it wasn't like that. When you were dating, it was like your Instagram feed, right? Everything was perfect. You guys, you didn't burp at all in front of her, Right? You were, so good. you were on your best behavior, you always smelled good, you always tried to say the right thing, you're saying the good thing. You women out there, you're just like, oh, you're the greatest ever, you're just so supportive all the time, just, I love you so much, everything you say is perfect. You're just, you're just gushing, gushing. And somewhere along the line, though, we as husbands and wives, we, we get a little sloppy, right? We, we, we see some of those things. We don't step out the way we should. And, and I said in week number one that we've got a problem, there's the myth of the one, right? You know what the myth of the one is, right? If you find that perfect one, right, everything in your marriage is going to be perfect. You're not going to have any problems. You're going to get along all the time. Everything's going to be great. The myth of the one, we all know that's truly a myth. <laughs> Just because you think you find the one doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. And I said it, our, our big so what for this entire series is actually this. It's this. The goal isn't to find the right one, but to be the right one, Right? And this is for those of you who are not yet married and maybe you're looking for someone. You're out there trying to find the right one. Here's the deal. You cannot abdicate your first role, which that is to yourself, to be healthy. Because hear this. No matter who you get into a relationship with, you bring all yourself to that relationship. Okay? And if you are not focusing on yourself to be the healthiest version of you possible, you are just going to be bringing your toxic self to that relationship. Doesn't matter if you find the one. You're going to still have some issues. Okay? But for those of us who are already married, you've already got the one you're with, all right? And so the question becomes not, how do I make them the one? Because sometimes we can be guilty of that as spouses. We try to change our spouse. We try to, uh, you know, affect our spouse in a way, get them to be the type of person we want them to be. And yet we don't affect ourselves. We don't impact ourselves. We don't look at ourselves. And I said this in week number one, that one of the most sobering realities is that you are not responsible for having a good marriage. You are responsible for being a good husband or being a good wife. That's all you have control over. It takes two people to have a good marriage. But so often, we abdicate what we actually can control, and we're so fixated on the other. And so I've said in this series, our goal is how can we stay focused on ourselves? How can we say, okay, I'm not going to poke my spouse in this one. I'm going to say, okay, how does this affect me? How do I need to change? How can I grow, all right? And so week number one, we talked about the principle of selfless love, right? We love not because they're worthy, but because God has loved us, and we didn't deserve it, right? And so therefore, we pour out of that. We are giving what we have received from the Father. That was week number one. Last week, we talked about the concept of forgiveness, and in the same way, what are we forgiving? We're not forgiving them because they deserve forgiveness. Why? We're forgiving them because Christ forgave us when we didn't deserve it. And I want to pause and talk about this for a second because this past week, for some of us, we were, some of you were very excited because you felt like justice was served in our city this past week. And I understand that. It, you, we love it when things seem to work out the way that we feel they should. Totally get that. But here's what can happen. Have you have ever seen somebody who got justice the way they wanted and yet they were still struggling with bitterness, anger, and frustration? Why? Because if we don't take the step to forgive those who we are frustrated, those who we have been hurt by, those who we we're angry at, If we don't forgive, we continue to be in bondage. And I don't care that that officer maybe got what he deserved. The reality is every one of us is followers of Christ. Our call now is not to hold bitterness, anger, and hatred toward him. If we want freedom in Christ, we have to extend forgiveness. Not because he deserves it, but because we didn't deserve it and Christ forgave us. That's why we do it. Okay? So this morning we're going to get to week number three. We're going to talk about a word that none of us like. Nobody likes it. And actually, everybody in our society fights against this concept. But I believe this is the secret to an amazing marriage. Uh, We said in this series, we're talking about marriage and relationships. All the weeks have application across the board. This one specifically is going to be the most focused on marriage. But next week, I don't want you to miss out because we're going to be teaching a concept that transforms every area of your life if you can get a hold of it. So don't miss out on next week. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse number 22. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Would you stand with me across the room? So we're going to read our primary text a little longer here, so stick with me. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22, says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that this text that maybe some of us have heard many times before, God, I pray that you would reveal the truth of it. And God, bring, the, bring us to the core of what this is about Father, that we'd walk out of this place with stronger relationships. pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. How many ever heard this phrase before? You know, wives, submit to your husband. You ever heard that before? You ever heard this passage before? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a love-hate relationship with this passage, okay? I love some concepts of this, but you're going to understand why I hate this passage in a moment here. Uh, Because the way that I think this passage is usually explained can be kind of summed up this way. Two phrases. first phrase is this. We sum it up by saying, wives, submit, right? Wives, submit. That's your role. That's your job, women. Your job is to submit in everything. Do what he says. And for generations, this is how this has been talked about. There are men that have used this verse to defend that position. Hey, woman, you better submit, woman. That's what it says right here. Wives, submit to your husbands. That's what it says. Read it. And I want to pause here for a second and just understand this. Here's a tip for you. When you're reading the Bible, you should listen to the stuff that's addressed to you. Okay? So there's a part in here for the husbands, but it's not that one. Right? Wives, who is he talking to? The wives. Okay? Husbands, shut your mouth. And then you get to listen to your part. Okay? That's how it works. So that's that's just a good life lesson when it comes to Scripture. Okay? But moving on here. Alright, so this is, we got, we got, wives submit, this is how we understand the passage, alright, wives submit, alright, good, great, great. And then the second half of the passage, if you continue in the passage, second phrase, husband's love. So it's the job, the wives submit, the husbands love. Love your wife, how do you love your wife? As Christ loved the church, and man, we understand that, Christ laid his life down, he gave everything for his wife. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we want, we want to see husbands that love their spouse that way, that's great, okay. And I've even heard this text gone a little bit further and say, listen, women, wives, you would love to submit to your husband in everything if he was laying down his life for you, wouldn't you? And I think there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. But we're still missing the point. Okay? Why? Because we've missed a verse. Uh, if you're familiar with your Bibles, you understand that it's divided up into chapters and verses, Right? Okay, we got chapters, verses. It's really helpful when I say turn to Ephesians chapter five. You know where to turn. But how many of you know? Those are not inspired of God. <laughs> Sometimes they are uninspired of God. There are chapter breaks in some of the weirdest places, like the middle of a sentence. The chapter happens. And for some of us who read a chapter a day or something like that in our Bibles, it, it can cause a problem because you literally stop in the middle of a sentence. And we'll get to that tomorrow. You forget what the previous part was about. So when we we end up taking stuff out of context. But there's something else in our Bibles that is uninspired. And what is that? headings, okay? You ever read your Bible and they got little headings like, this is about love and this is about that, whatever. Those are are not inspired of God, okay? Just understand that. Some guy put that in. They're helpful. Like, they help us. Oh, this is that part where Jesus does the story of the, you know, feeding the five. Oh, that's great. Okay, okay, awesome. But they're not inspired of God. And I think this heading is one of the most uninspired and horrible heading placements in all of the Bible, okay? Because many translations, even to this day, still place a heading Before verse 22. Uh, If you look in your Bibles, it'll say before verse 22, it'll say instructions for a a Christian household or, you know, marriage things or something like that, whatever. I like the NIV in this because they moved the the heading to one verse ahead. And when you read verse 21, what you see is the actual principle that the whole rest of this thing is actually addressing. And here is the principle found in Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See how that changes the rest of this passage? All right, women, here's how you apply that, wives. Husbands, here's how you apply this principle. But it isn't an issue of one person submits and the other person's in charge and dominating and having no, no, no. It's two people who are submitting ...to one another. Why? Because the other person is so great, and they always do the right thing, and they always respond to you the the way you want to, and they speak to you in a nice, kind way all the time. Is that why you submit? No. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. Why? Because I'm submitted to Him, because I worship Him, I choose to honor Him, and the outcoming of that is I submit myself to others. And specifically, we're about to talk about husbands and wives submitting to one another. But this isn't just a principle that is for husbands and wives. This this passage starts, this, this general principle is for all believers. He's calling all believers, submit to one another. The passage goes on. It talks about children, talks about fathers, talks about workers, all these different situations. Applying this simple principle right here, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this is how all relationships should operate. This is what it means when we die to self, when we follow Christ. This is the way relationships are supposed to look. Remember, if, if there's any place where this should be extra true, it should be right here in this building with fellow believers. What was the command that Jesus gave? Or, well, the thing he told his disciples, he said, Listen, they will know you by your love. Not love. They will know you by your love for one another. That's what they'll know you by. Not just because you no, the way you love each other in here, that's how they'll know that you're my disciples. That's how they'll know that you're my followers. Because you love each other in a way that doesn't make sense. In this submissive way where you actually care for one another, you're constantly placing yourself under another. Now, what does this submit actually mean? It literally means that. It means to place yourself under someone else. It means to subordinate yourself to someone else. It it means to prioritize someone else above yourself. That's what it means to submit to one another. And so we get to this, this concept, you know, where we say, hey, this is how we should be living. This is what it should look like. But so often, we in the church, we're just as dysfunctional as the world is. We don't submit. We're fighting for our own rights inside the church. And in the same way, I say sometimes our marriages look the same way. We don't look any better than the world does. We got two people fighting for themselves rather than looking to submit to one another. We get to Philippians chapter 2. We shared this two weeks ago, but I want to go a couple verses earlier than what we shared two weeks ago. Because he talks specifically about this. What does this look like? And for a moment, I want you, uh, those of you who are married, I want you to think about this passage through the lens of your marriage. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 2. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Not sometimes, not occasionally, no. Do nothing, like nothing, never. It's never about you. At the point when you think it's about you, it's not. Like, Stop, it's not about you. Don't do that. Don't do it out of self-image. Don't do it because you want it to be about you in some way. Rather, in humility, laying yourself, who embodied humility better than anyone else? Christ, who died, who gave up everything, laid himself down. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. This is a very generic statement. I don't like others. Like, I'd like it to be a little more, like, narrowed down, you know what I'm saying? Like, could you just give me a couple people that I can do? No, no, he said others. Just, who's the others? All the others, right? Value them above yourself. That's what it means to die to yourself, right? Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests. In our marriages, sometimes that's what we're looking for. We're interested in, well, how's this going to affect me? How's this going to impact me? How's this good for me? No, 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 don't do that. You're You're not interested in that. No, no, no. Instead, each of you to the interest of the other. What does it mean? I'm looking at them and saying, how can they win, and how can I submit myself to them? How can I subordinate myself to them? How can I place myself under them? How can I prioritize them above myself? That's what we're calling. This is what is we apply this to husbands and wives. This is the principle, and, it, and I use this phrase, and this is the phrase that probably none of us want to hear, and that's the idea of mutual submission. Mutual submission. How do you have a successful marriage? How do you have a Christ-centered marriage? How do you have one that looks like what God intended from the very beginning? It's this very simple so- concept. Mutual submission. Two people who are constantly preferring the other. Two people who are constantly subordinating themselves under. The other, fighting for second place, okay? What do marriages ordinarily look like? Well, I think this is, a, this is a good idea of what marriages often look like. We have this idea of a scale. And I think a lot of times we talk about marriage as kind of like 50-50, right? It's like 50-50. I have good compromise. Like, that's good for marriage. That's great, you know? And uh, if you're honest with yourself, none of us would ever voice this out loud, but this is how oftentimes marriage can work out, right? You're like, well, you know what? Uh, I'd really like to hang out with the guys later, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the dishes, <laughs> right? Look at me, I did the dishes, sweetie, I did the dishes, awesome, okay, fine, you can go hang out with the guys later, right? And then she's like, you know, I saw this, I saw this dress I'd really love, you know, so I'm going to buy him something, right? I'm going to buy him saying, oh, look it, I'd like this thing too, cool, thanks, sweetheart, that's awesome, you know? And we just kind of, we're, we're working the system a little bit, right? And the guy's are like, you know what? I'd really, I'd really like to have a special time later on with my wife. So he turns on the romantic music and uh, pulls out the vacuum cleaner, right? <laughs> Start working that vacuum cleaner. Hoping that later on, that's gonna take care of some things, right? And for a lot of us, you say, well, this is a good relationship. <laughs> Like, this is good, it's good, there's balance here, right? Nice balance, I love the balance here, good compromise, this is good, we think this looks good. From the outside, it looks good, but do you realize what's going on here? It's two selfish people interested in their own thing. They are coming to a relationship to get what they want. This is not love. At least it's not Christ-centered love, okay? This is... 50-50. And we say, well, yeah, marriage is 50-50. No, marriage is not 50-50. At least that's not the intention. The goal of marriage is 100-100. It's 100-100. You bring it all. It doesn't matter what the other person brings. Your goal is not to fill your bucket. Your goal is to fill theirs. And it, and you, and you don't do it just when it's, comfortable you don't just do it when they're they're nice when they're speaking nicely no, no 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 your job is to submit yourself to prefer the other in every circumstance 100 100 all the time doesn't matter what they're treating you like no i'm here to serve that's what a christ-centered marriage looks like all right so when i come why i'm not looking to to you know go do the dishes so i can hang out no i'm doing the dishes because i love you and i care for you and i want you to know you're valued right and as a wife, I say, listen, I want you to go hang out with your guys because I know how important that is to you, and I value you, and I care about you. I want you to know how much I love you, right? The same way, I, you know, I want to do this. I, I want to I buy something for you because I love you, right? I want to do the same thing for you, you know? And then the situation, listen, I'm going to vacuum, not because I'm just trying to get some later on, all right? I'm doing it because I love you, right? See, this is This is what, (laughs) sorry. But when you get to the end of this, you look at the scale, and you're like, it looks the same, doesn't it? From the outside, it looks the same. On the inside, it couldn't be more different. Because you've got two people who are selflessly serving one another. And as I shared in week number one, the dirty little secret, when you have two people who are selflessly serving, Pouring themselves out for the sake of the other Guess what You both win It's just so often we're consumed With filling our own bucket rather than filling theirs So this is what the concept of mutual submission Looks like and so how do we, how do we Carry this out in marriage Now that's what the rest of the passage is about We've already talked about it. You know, you go on and you're applying the principle of mutual submission first to wives. All right, wives, what does it look like for you? Wives, it looks like ideas of submission. It looks like ideas of honor and esteem and respect. For husbands, what does it look like? It looks like love, selflessly laying yourself down. And why do we do that? We do that, why? Because we are reverencing Christ. This is an act of worship. You don't realize this, but the way you treat your spouse might be a more important way of worshiping than when you sing here on Sunday mornings. Like, you sing the songs, oh, God, I love you, I love you, I love you, all week long, you treat your spouse like garbage. That's not worship. You're worshiping yourself at that point, all right? All right, so then we get, okay, we get to what I would call the summary statement. We get to the end of this passage. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33 is like a summary. So we've got, like, the principle, we've got the application, and then we have the summary. Here's what it says. It says, however, he's speaking to the husbands first, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Two words, love and respect. Love and respect. Uh, some of you maybe have heard of the, there's a book out called Love and Respect. It's built off of this principle. I love the book. It's uh, written by uh, Emerson Egerickson. Uh the, the beautiful part about this book, it's based and grounded off of this scripture, and yet when you look at the science, the science merely affirms what. Uh, the scriptures wrote two thousand years ago, like all the studies have been done. They did a study with two thousand married couples who've been married for decades, and it merely validated exactly what what was written here by the apostle. Paul and so what I want to do is I want to look at this principle because in the last few moments here How do we apply this scripture and here's what I believe I believe that this could transform you because I have seen These principles play out in my own home I've seen them play out in marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage if you can get a hold of this All right, so here's what here's what we say men and women both need love and respect It's reality. You need it. You need love and you need respect. You need both of them but there is a difference between men and women and husband and his wife, and here's the difference. The difference is, what is your felt need? What is your felt, what do you need to feel from the other person? It's a little bit different. And so what they say is, for women, a woman's deepest felt need is to feel loved, to feel cherished, to feel cared for, to have a sense that she's the most valuable one in the world, like a man that will win her affections. And think about when you were dating. That's exactly what some of you did, right? Some of you guys should have never gotten that girl, okay? Like, there's not a chance, but what did you do? You worked real hard. You won that girl's heart. You bought her things. You cared for her. You spoke kindly. You wrote the notes to her. You wrote songs. You're like singing little serenades out from a window. You're doing all the things to try and love, to show her how much you love her, to lavish your love on her, to win her affection, and that's The deepest need of a woman is to have that sense of someone who cares for them that deeply. But somewhere along the way, oftentimes, we men, we can get lazy in this area. We stop trying to win. We say, you know what? I told you I loved you when we got married. I'll tell you if it changes, right? (laughs) How's that work, you know? But men are a little bit different. We need to be loved, absolutely. But here's the deal. A man's deepest felt need is to feel respected. Men know their wives love them. They just question whether their wives like them. <laughs> okay? Men question that, right? Because early on when you were dating, you said all the nice things, all the, you know, you're so awesome, you're so great. And you laughed at all of his jokes. You're like, he's so funny, he's the greatest ever. Somewhere along the line, you realize he just ain't that funny, right? Like, he thinks he's funny. It's not that funny, right? And those things that were cute are now annoying to you, right? And and it's really easy. And and women have the spiritual gift. When they love someone, they want to make them better. So what do you do as a woman? You're constantly trying to say, hey, you could do this better. You're critiquing. You think, I'm so loving. I'm making him a better person. What men hear, when men hear criticism, they hear contempt. They hear, she doesn't respect me. Okay? And you might think, well, they're just soft. Men are soft. They can't take it. No, this is how all men are. All men take that criticism, and it's very hard to to take that away and say, no, that feels disrespectful. Because they go everywhere else in the world, and they're like, people respect me. Everybody talks to me in a kind way, but I come home, suddenly I'm getting torn apart here. I'm like, this woman doesn't respect me at all. And here's what happens with men. When men feel disrespected, they have a tendency. This isn't all men, but men have a tendency. They don't want to fight about it. They decide to just withdraw a little bit, pull back. I don't want to fight around. Just pull back a little bit. Here's the problem for women. When the man pulls back, what they, what is she here? She doesn't, he doesn't love me. He doesn't love me enough to, to deal with this. He doesn't care enough to deal with this problem. Here. And so there's something is, that uh, is written in Love and Respect that talked, uh, talked about this principle of the crazy cycle. And some of you are going to know exactly what I'm saying as soon as I share this. Without love, she reacts without respect. But without respect, he reacts without love. And so let's say she's feeling, you know, she's feeling forgotten for the day. The last couple days it's been busy. He hasn't been thinking about her. He hasn't said anything nice to her. No caring things, none of those things. She's feeling unloved at this point in time. And he walks in the door. He walks in the door. And because she doesn't feel love, she starts reacting to him in a disrespectful manner. Starts pointing out the things that he didn't do right. Hey, why didn't you get this? Why didn't you get that? Whatever. And he walks in the door hoping to feel this love. And instead, what is he experiencing? No, he's experiencing disrespect. And the result is because he feels disrespected, he doesn't really want to say nice things anymore. He doesn't want to share the nice things. No, he comes withholding. And sometimes he'll just pull back all the way. He'll leave the room and walk away. And she takes that as less love. And now we've got less love and more res- less respect. Less love, less respect, and some of you have been on a crazy cycle for days. Some of you have been on a crazy cycle for years. Some of you, I would say, have been in the crazy cycle for decades. Constantly without. Now, you can all understand this, that, that if you could flip the switch on this thing, right? If, if she would feel loved, she probably would spe- ex- uh, express more respect. And the respect would fuel more love. And this is a positive thing, and that's really great, but that only works if you're both doing it, right? If you're both involved. And the scripture didn't say, oh, love them when everything is good. Love them and do all the right things when they're saying the right things to you and encouraging all those things. No, the scripture says, you do this out of reverence for Christ. And so what our marriages need around here are not people who are reactive to what the other person is doing. We need people who step forward and say, I'm going to love as Christ loved the church. I'm going to submit myself, to lay myself down, subordinate myself, not because they deserve it, not because they're saying the right thing, not because they respond the right way, but because I revere Christ. I adore Him. I worship Him. That's where the response comes. And the beautiful part is if one of you can be bold enough, Sometimes it only takes one. If one of you can be bold enough to stop the crazy cycle and say, listen, I'm not gonna keep going this way because what my flesh wants to do is it wants to make it about me. But I'm gonna stop the crazy cycle for a second. And rather than trying to, to fixate on getting them better, no, I'm gonna say, God, I'm gonna take responsibility for myself. And I'm gonna submit myself to my spouse. I'm gonna lower myself Even if she doesn't speak respectfully, I'm gonna love her. Even if he doesn't act loving, I'm gonna respond respectfully. I'm gonna submit. That's what a Christ-centered marriage looks like. And I believe this, for some of you, this is, it seems like a fairy tale, (laughs) because it is so far from what your home looks like. But I do believe this, that if we will take hold of what Christ is calling us to, I believe that he could start us on a new journey. Faith is never about just like snap your fingers and everything's better. But if we would respond to what he's calling us to, I believe today could be a beginning of a new journey for some of your homes. Some of you feel like you've been suffocating in your marriage. You have. You're feeling worn out. Some of you talk to me. You don't talk about it in the room. You all smile and you say, oh, that's a great whatever, but then you come talk to me later on because you're struggling. Here's the deal, it takes a step. We don't just hope things get better we actually have to take a step and so I want to close with our big so what here this morning we always say that so what's the point of this thing it's a very simple principle that you need that you may need to write this down sear this into your mind somewhere it's this marriage is a fight for second place marriage is a fight for second place it is two people who are constantly choosing the second place and why is that so important because the natural bend for every one of us is to win like, I don't like to play games to lose. Like, that's not my interest. I want to play to win. If I have an argument, I kind of want to win. <laughs> if there's a conflict somewhere, I want to win. But that's not the goal of marriage. It's two people who are not there to try and get first place. It's two people fighting for second place. Saying, how can I submit in this situation? Because you're going to get in an argument. It's really easy for you to say, yeah, but, yeah, but I'm right. Yeah, yeah, but the, what is the goal? The goal isn't to be right. The goal is second place. How can I submit myself? How can I lay myself down? Lay down my rights. As Christ did for me, how can I lay my rights down for the sake of the other? And when you have two people constantly toggling to try and fight their way to second place, it is the most beautiful picture of what marriage is supposed to look like. That was God's intention. That's his desire. But it takes both. And so this morning for some of you, I I, want to take us just to a place of repentance here as we end. Because I know this. I'm going I'm to speak directly to some men here for a moment. There's some men I guarantee in this room have, have, have abused this passage. And have subordinated their wives to themselves with this passage. Said, woman, submit. Says it in the Bible. You got to do what I say. You need to repent. That is not what love looks like. I don't know. Some of you, have been, you've been operating under this paradigm for 30, 40, 50 years. You need to repent. You need to call. What is repentance? It's agreeing with what God says. That is sin. That is my selfish desire. That is not selfless love. That is selfish desire in me that caused me to do that. And I repent of that. In the same way, it's possible. I know there are some women in relationships. And you have so beaten down your husband with your words. Because women tend to be better with their words than the men are. You've so beaten your husband down with your words that you know you're the one wearing the pants in the relationship. You're the one that controls everything because you've got it. You've earned it, and you've won it. You need to repent because you are just as guilty as the man who's trying to dominate. To say, God, I want to be in a position of mutual submission where I am laying myself down for the other. I'm not in it to win it here. I'm in it for second place. That I might look as Christ looked, laying myself down, all right? I invite you to stand with me across the room, and I want to pray over us together. Have a moment of repentance. And here's the deal. I'm going to give you a moment to repent right now with God. But if you sense in your heart, man, I do need to repent of some stuff because I have been acting in a toxic way. Listen to me. It's not good enough just to repent to God. You need to repent to your spouse. You need to ask forgiveness. You say, you know what? I've done the wrong thing. I've had the wrong attitude. Would you forgive me? And I want to—I acknowledge that was wrong, and I want to turn away from that, all right? Some of you need to do that. If you're near your spouse, would you grab the hand of your spouse? I just want to pray over you guys real quick. God, we thank you. <clears throat> we thank you that you loved us when we didn't deserve us, God. You loved us and cared for us when, when we were heading the wrong direction. That's what the gospel says. Uh, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you for the truth and the hope of the gospel. And God, we receive your love and your grace, Father. But God, may we never be those who receive it, but never are willing to give it to others. And Lord, right now, I know that there are are marriages in here that are are struggling. There are people that have been caught in sin. They have been doing the thing for themselves. It's been selfish desire that's motivated everything. Oh, they've been playing 50-50, but God, that's not your desire for us. And so, God, right now, we just repent of that. We call that what it is. It is selfish motives. It is evil intent and desire. And, God, we repent of that. We turn away from that, God, and we turn toward you. And, God, we ask that you would help us to operate according to your kingdom principles, not our own, not to do things like the world does it, but to do it as you've called us to, Father, in humility that we would prefer the other. We would would live for them, that we would give ourselves to them, that we would say, how can we make them succeed? God, help us to do that, Lord. And God, I pray for anyone in here, there's some people I guarantee that are just struggling with anger and bitterness toward their spouse because of years of this being done the wrong way. God, I pray that you would begin to do a healing work. Father, as we talked about last week, that there could be forgiveness, that there could be freedom in this place, God. God, that that some ropes that have been holding people on could, could be set free today in the name of Jesus and a whole new journey begun. Lord, I pray that this church would be known for healthy relationships, that we would be known and we would be marked with the relationships that look different than everybody else. Because we're not in it for ourselves, God. We're in it to glorify you, and we're in it to serve others. God, I pray a protection over every marriage in this place. God, we know what the, the enemy's desire is, is to bring division, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And God, we know that your desire is life and life abundantly. And so, God, I pray that you would just breathe life into these homes, God. May we put into practice what you've spoken to our hearts today, God. It's not enough just to hear it, God. We gotta do something with it. So help us to do that, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, I wanna share just two things here before you go. First is this. Some of you need professional help. And there's a stigma with that for some people. They feel, well, I don't, (laughs) our marriage is struggling, but I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. Guess what? You're not the only one struggling, okay? It's okay. The best thing that you can do is to seek some some help. Please uh, reach out to me. I can help direct you. I'm not some amazing marriage counselor, but I can direct you to some people that can, can get you the help that you need, all right? Don't let the enemy win in this. Listen, ever, i said this to marriages before. There's people that have sat in my office and just been talking. And here's the deal. Sometimes a marriage needs a hero. A marriage needs one person in the relationship to say, I'm going to do the thing that neither of us have been, we've been talking about, but we haven't done it. We've been saying we need to get help, and neither of us. I'm going to call, and I'm going to make that appointment. I'm going to go have that conversation with somebody. Somebody needs to step forward and do that in your relationship. Because if you, if you don't, you know where you're heading. It's not gonna get better, all right? So for some of you, that's, that's what you need. For everyone else, I, just wanna, I wanna give a very clear challenge this morning, because this is a practical thing that you're gonna see this coming week, and it's this. Look for crazy cycle moments. You know when they're coming. You feel them. When that moment happens, choose love and respect. Choose to submit rather than fueling that thing saying, man, I don't, I'm feeling disrespected. No, I'm going to choose love right now. I'm feeling all love. I'm going to choose respect. I'm going to speak in a way that is respectful right now. I'm going to care even if I don't feel cared for, right? That's my challenge for you this week. If you're on a prayer team, I'm gonna, I want to invite you up forward. Uh, there's some of you before you leave today, you want to have an opportunity to pray with somebody. I want to give you a chance to do that. And so uh, we invite you, don't run out the doors, whatever the need is. You may have a physical need, something going on. Or maybe you and your spouse would like to receive prayer this morning. Please take the step. But let's live out. This week, let's do the scriptures. Let's not just hear it. Amen? Awesome. Love you guys. You have a great week. We'll see you back next Sunday. Don't forget apparel. You want to pick that up. Uh, make sure you got to order by tonight if you want to get that stuff in, all right? Love you guys. Thanks, buddy. You're definitely in my life. Yeah. I was drowned, led in the world and around me. I was fighting with being way about me, but you called me. Tell me that I have a purpose, that you've given your son and I'm worth it. When I stand face to face with all my mistakes, so oh, you show me is grace, so oh, I trust you, I trust you.